Coming up on today's Locked On Hot Guys podcast, Trent Condon, LaShawn Daniels, we break down another disappointing offensive effort as Iowa Falls 9-6 to Illinois. The Hawkeyes sitting at 3-3 three and three as they go into the bye week. We'll talk about what bye weeks mean inside the Iowa program with LaShawn and a whole lot more all coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back once again to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon. LaShawn Daniels, former Hawkeye running back, joining me here today as we look back at another Iowa loss. This one at the hands of Illinois, another long winning streak. Comes to an end in a rivalry game, this time at the hands of the Illini. 9-6 the final in that one. We are always available for you each and every day on the Lockdown Hawkeyes Podcast Network. You can find us wherever you get podcasts. You can also see us on YouTube. Just search Lockdown Hawkeyes, and when you're there, hit that subscribe button. Well, LaShawn, a disappointing performance once again from the offense. The defense does what they need to. Force three turnovers, hold Illinois out of the end zone and two just nine points, but ultimately... Can't get it done. It was a frustrating night of football. And then, of course, I had to turn around and watch my Bears again, though that looked a little bit better, at least on Sunday. I know you're watching your brother play with the Steelers. Uh, that one didn't go very well. Very frustrating weekend, I think, for a lot of people out there. Hey, if you're a Chiefs fan, somebody like that, at least you got Monday night football to look forward to or <laughs> some entertaining football. Vikings fans, a lot of those I know in our listening audience. I'm from North Iowa, tons of Vikings fans around. Somehow that garbage team is 4-1, but we're here to talk about Hawkeyes and a frustrating night that it was. Yeah, that was that was a rough game of football to watch um, for, for the Hawks. I mean, uh, like every drive, I felt like it was just frustration after frustration. Every time you step on the field offensively, like kind of knowing what the defense and special teams were doing all game. So yeah, it was not, not a fun fun Saturday night of Iowa football. That's for sure. So a couple of things I want to go here. And it's something that has bothered me as somebody that I guess I'm a football novice. Look, I played low level football. You know, I, I was not a player, certainly of your stature, anything like that. I watch tons of football, but I don't know the game. I don't know the X's and O's. I don't know a breaking down and schematically at the same kind of level. And I watch the way now in year number six of Brian Ferentz coordinating this offense. And it just doesn't feel like there's any kind of rhyme or reason to it. It feels like just play Madden. You're just pushing buttons. You're just trying things to try them. And and I don't know what they're trying to do. You go back to I was moving the football for the first time all game long on the ground, moving it up there. Caleb had a good run. We saw uh, before that, LaShawn, he had a good run. They're moving the football. And then he set up on, on second down and seven, a tight end screen. And it's completely dead. Illinois is a fast defense. He had that play. Of course, the reverse player, the end around play wasn't even reverse that they get it to Reganian and he gets hit for a loss and they knock him back. And then they miss the field goal at the end of the first half. There's just so many of those plays. It just, I'm, I'm left looking at it and saying, what are they trying to do? Can, can you see when you're watching this team, that there is a plan, that there is something. I know they're trying to do something. That's not what I'm saying, but it just doesn't feel like this is a strength. Brian, Brian coming to a game plan and saying, these are our best plays. This is what we're going to do. It just at times feels like throwing a bunch of crap at the wall and hoping something sticks. 
Yeah. Um, honestly, I have no. I, I I'm kind of there. Like I feel like there is no kind of sense of like direction when it comes to like outside. You get past like you know our scripted kind of like you know first ten fifteen plays, right? It's like it seems like kind of after that, right? There, there really is no really rhyme or reason for like different calls. Like I feel like like at times it's like. Um, he's obviously trying to catch like the defense off guard and different things like that. But, but I just feel like he's really like they're just outsmarting themselves, right? Like again, like the end around reverse thing in the two minute drill. Obviously, that play call was crazy. <laughs> like honestly, I had no idea what was going on there. And uh, obviously, like no offense to uh, Nico, but like if I'm going to run uh, end around reverse, like. He's probably not going to be the first person that I would, um, you know, use for that for that play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, just in general, right when things are going well, right, and um, you know we're we're hitting on some successes on some plays, and we're just you know kind of knocking those out and we're moving the chains. It feels like we get to a point where it's like, okay, now um, let's take let's try to take this kill shot, right? You know, kind of like like right, right here and um, see if we can catch the defense off guard, right? And and I totally understand like those plays right like there are times in the game where you do have to do those things right but when you have Iowa's offense and we have such a low margin of error right like when we have those plays like it can be it can be frustrating because now we lose a bunch of yards and now you either take us out of field goal range we're behind the chains and all these different things and now we're in a position where we're going to possibly be punting right because again I watch a lot of football um and just watching the games on Sunday, right? I was watching the Pittsburgh Bills game and you watch, obviously you watch offense like the Bills, right? The best offense in the NFL. And they have times where they make a mistake, right? Like Josh Allen threw an interception on a drive there in like like the 15 yard line, right? And obviously that's a play, right? You don't want to have those type of plays when you're in a scoring opportunity, but when you have offense that can move the ball and move the change, right? Doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because in the next drive, right, they're able to go and strike on a 50 yard touchdown play, right? And then Iowa, because again, because <laughs> our margin of error is so small, right? When we try to do, you know, different things and try to catch, you know, the, the defense off guard, uh, at times when we try to outsmart ourselves, it ends up biting us in the butt more, more times than not. So we saw that glimpse of some positive momentum out of the running game. It's still not good. But you, you go through, offensive line has been a big-time struggle. They started four sophomores, uh, five sophomores, excuse me, on Saturday, and, and it really showed up. This is a good Illinois defense, not to take anything away from the Illini. That team is good defensively. They got speed. They got dudes up front. They really made it difficult. But, again, it still comes back to quarterback. And this is the part that I just struggle with. And you as a former player, you when you're watching a quarterback struggling, when you see a guy that just is not getting the job done, you have a backup that has won football games for you before, a guy that adds an element with the running that, that we can see from Padilla, a guy that can at least move around a little bit and make some plays outside of the pocket. What does that do for a team? I, I know we heard Jack Campbell, I think it was after the Iowa State game, come out and you know talk positively. We know that Spencer Petras is, is a light guy in the locker room and that everybody has his back. And that's kind of what Iowa football is about, is having each other's back. But but just as a player, when you're seeing something like that, what does that do? What does that do to the mentality of a group knowing, hey, he's not alone. It's not just about Petras, but quarterback, the most important position in sports, and the coaching staff still not willing to even try something different? Uh, you know, 
again, like that's a very, very, you know, interesting question just because, right, like it's a guy in that position, obviously, you know, one of the most important positions in all sports, right, the quarterback position, um, you know, typically a guy, the guy that's there, right, he's, he has earned his right, right, I mean, he's done it in some way, shape, or form, right, he's earned his right to be there, right, and he's, you know, being your leader um, on your on your football team, right, and obviously he's a well-likable guy, everyone around the locker room and um, around the building, I speak very, very highly of him, um, but it obviously can be, you know, frustrating, obviously, as a player, right, because Obviously, we all know it's obviously not all on Spencer, right? It's it's clearly shown that every week in, week out, right? It's not all on Spencer, right? But right now, where the offense is, right, like it's it definitely needs like a jolt, right? It needs some type of spark or something, right, to get to get it going, right? And um, unfortunately, Spencer hasn't been able to do that, right? It's been able to provide a, provide you know flash plays really in, in quite a long time, right? I mean, I can't. You know, truly remember, right? Him, obviously, like us or offense in general, right? Truly hitting like a deep shot or um, a big, big play, right, right? Where it just completely like flips the momentum of the game, right? And um, gives offense some juice, right? It just it just hasn't happened. And, um, you know, when you are a quarterback, right, you're going to be getting all that type of, um, you know, negativity and all that stuff towards you um, just because you're, you're in that position. So it can be frustrating, you know, for, for everyone around because obviously you want to see Spencer do well, you want to see him play well. Um, and things like that, but when it's just not happening and what you're doing in the practice field isn't translating you know, to Saturdays on, on game day, it can be very, very frustrating for, for everyone involved. And I feel like that's kind of where, where we're at right now. Um, but again, I, it's obviously not on Spencer. The offensive line has been, you know, very, 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 very poor. Um, and I don't know if, you know, making a change to the quarterback position is going to make it that much better. But again, it's something that you might, still want to explore right so well it's a bye week here this week and because it's a bye uh there's going to be maybe some potential changes of wrinkles we're going to talk to LaShawn a little bit about that what a bye week is like for a Hawkeye player what's it like going through these bye weeks and what the team works to accomplish we'll do that as we continue here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast from cringing at the pump to getting an eye Popping check at your favorite restaurant. Inflation, it's hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, dines out. That's all of us. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. I've used it a couple of different times now. Getting gas is something that we all use. If you have a vehicle, thing that is big. Restaurants out there. Got a couple that popped out here in West Des Moines. I got to try those on the Upside app. Very easy to use. Just download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and you'll get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Claim an offer, whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business, and then you just pay as usual with your credit or debit card, and then you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn up to three times as much cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app right now and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. 
All right, Trent Condon and LaShawn Daniels back with you here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. And LaShawn, wanted to talk to you a little bit about a bye week. Obviously, we look forward to the Ohio State game up next on the schedule. I was going to be a decided underdog in the game. Uh, the summer lines that were out, games of the year that were put up by my buddy Chris Sanders out of the South Point. He had the Buckeyes favored by 21. I think that thing's going to be closer maybe to four touchdowns as opposed to the three that it was during this offseason. But it's a bye week. So what does that mean inside the football complex? Uh, what are you guys working to do? What happens during the bye week? Not only getting guys healthy, which is a huge part of it, but what else is done inside the walls of Fort Kinnick? Yeah, so, you know, for starters, obviously, right, it's big on getting, um, you know, really you're healthy. Well, mainly you're one deep, right? Like, it's really focused on trying to, it, you know, those starters, um, people that play a bunch of snaps on offense and defense. Um, it's, once, it's really time for those guys to really get some some true rest and recovery, right? So, um, you know, those guys, you know, typically you'll will have we we won't practice in pads. Um, you know, we'll have like light light days. You know, just kind of just keeping um, you know everything sharp, right? Um, you know, with individual drills and some group and a little bit of teamwork, uh, just to keep keep us sharp. But a lot of this time gets spent on you know really the second string and beyond, right? I mean, these guys spend this week. This is essentially like a game week for them, right? Because they're going to be you know battling and um, uh, really focusing on a bunch of developmental stuff, right? On on some of these younger guys because now I see like you know you don't have to game plan for a team this upcoming week. Um, we can spend a little bit more time. The coaches can spend a little bit more time focusing on um, some of the younger guys or the people that don't play as much and focus on, you know, developing them and, and working on, on their skills and abilities. So, you know, for this next part of half of the season, right, if it comes to an opportunity where they have to play, you know, some more, right, have to get some, some more snaps right there, they'll be ready to, to fill right in. So, yeah, for, for mainly this week is, again, people that typically are going to be playing, you know, that play like 30, 40 snaps a game, right? They're not going to get that much work, but um, the people that are really under that are going to get a bunch, a bunch of developmental work. Um, they'll be in pads a few times, and then um, towards the end of the week, you know, we'll have off. And then typically we come back on Saturday and practice and start getting ready for the team for the following week. So you got to play in Columbus. You got to play at the Horseshoe early in your career. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording today and, and talked about that game. And right away, when you mentioned it, I, oh, yeah, the Jake Doozy game where he had the big touchdown. It was the tight end game. You guys really came up with a great scheme in that one, of putting together an offensive plan that you thought would work. You guys hung around against a very good Ohio State team and did it there. But for you personally, your dad played at Ohio State. You grew up in Ohio. I mean, it had it had to be just such a cool experience for you. You weren't recruited by the Buckeyes. Your brother was, but he ultimately decided to come and hang out with you for a couple of years. But, you know, looking back upon that, just that experience, I've been to Columbus a couple of times for games. It's a great environment. It's as loud as any stadium that I've ever been in, bigger than the big house. I thought louder than it might have been also where I've been sitting, but also louder than even Penn State. I've been down to an Alabama to Tennessee game. That was a great environment too, but that place is loud. They're into it. And those fans, man, they are a bunch of a-holes. <laughs> yeah, that that's all that's all really, really accurate. I mean, um, for starters, yeah. I mean, again, I only played there one time, but when I did play there, and you know, obviously I had at that time I hadn't even had that crazy amount of experience of mm -hmm. playing in a hostile environment. But 
like that place was crazy, crazy loud. Like it was already hard enough to hear, you know, play in the, uh, you know, in the huddle and then let alone, you know, trying to listen to the snap or any audibles, right, made um, at the line of scrimmage, right? And, uh, but those are those are the type of games that you live for, right? I mean, there's a, that's part of the reason why a bunch of people um, want to go and play big time college football, right, is to obviously, uh, you know, obviously have the opportunities to, to play at a high level and, and play at the next level, but also to go into those environments and um, experience those type of games and, uh, you know, try, try to get the fans, the opposing fans to be quiet a couple of times, right? Like that's, like that's, that's fun stuff. Um, it's going to be an exciting opportunity for the guys um, to get to play there because I'm trying to think, I don't think they, that this group wasn't even played there yet. Um, yep. So yeah, exactly. So this is going to be, so this is going to be a fun, fun trip for them. Um, exciting trip for them. Um, but yeah, their fans are, are hostile and rough and they're going to, they're going to be yelling up types of stuff, you know, when you're, just chilling on your bench, right? Like their fans are gonna be yelling all types of, you know, insults and things, and you know, all just stuff that comes with the territory of playing at an environment like Ohio State, right? So, uh, again, it's gonna be a fun, fun, fun time, and um, you know, I'm hoping that we can get put together a decent showing because I'm gonna obviously hear it from my dad and um, the rest of my family. So, <laughs> right, uh, understand that my my future brother in law he is an Ohio State grad. So, yeah, I, I've already heard the chirping already starting here, and <laughs> and we have no comeback. That that's the thing, you know. We go back the last time we saw the Buckeyes was 2017, and we've been able to hold 55 24 over their head for the last five years, and. Oh boy, the 55 might be right. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be on the other side this week. Well, we'll see though. You know, the, the Iowa defense, hopefully they can hold them down. You know, you put a couple of plays together. Maybe it is an interception. You go back to that 2017 game and Amari making the play right away and getting the uh, pick six and, and it just, the onslaught was on. Bosa got ejected for a targeting penalty. That changed yeah. the complexion of the game. And then Big Nate making plays, got guys draped <laughs> on his leg, throwing touchdowns. That was a game plan. That was that was the best game plan Brian's ever come up with. And let's see, maybe with an extra week here, he's going to be able to come up with something and, and figure something out because they're going to need it. That Ohio state team, my personal poll, I got him number one. I'm very impressive what they did to Sparty last week. We saw, of course, Alabama struggle without having Bryce young out there against Texas A&M. They were a play away from losing that football game. Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, we saw Georgia struggle. So Buckeyes are number one. Hey, let's upend them at least in my yeah. personal poll. Hey, speaking of that. So talking about stadiums, you got to play in most every big 10 stadium. We know Kiddick and everything that, that you hear from opposing players that come in, you know, you hear the close proximity. You can see it as you're sitting there, just how close the benches are. What was the most difficult play, the loudest place, the one where the fans got on you most, what are a couple of the stadiums that jump out to you? Mm, it's a great question. Uh, I would say hmm, probably the, the three toughest if I played in and really no order um, is really Penn State and Iowa State. Those stadiums, Iowa State's really like surprisingly gets really, really loud um, there. Um, playing and then see Ohio State is in that conversation again. I've only played there once, but when I did play there, yeah, you couldn't hear anything like at any point in time, like during the game, right? It's, it's that loud all the time, right? Like those three, uh, their fans stay up and at it the entire time. And if their team is making plays right at any point in time in the game, like it's just like it almost feels like like a thing near like an earthquake down there, right? I feel like it's just so loud. Um, and it's hard to even just have like regular communication, 
you know, when you're on the field and, and things like that. So I would say that those three, those three are pretty tough to play in. Um, but there, there are some other stadiums that are pretty good too, like Minnesota. Whenever we play it there, right, they do a pretty decent job, especially if their team is halfway okay, right? Like they're going to get pretty loud there. Um, same thing with Nebraska. Uh, they'll fill out that stadium um, and and get pumped up and ready to go, right? Because obviously they've been they've been you know selling out their stadium, selling out their stadium for forever now. So um, yeah, those 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 places are all pretty pretty uh, fun to play in. Well, it's a great environment. I got to get to Rutgers. I got to get to Maryland. Those are the two last I still have to cross off my list. And some trips are better than others. From a fan perspective, I'll put it this way. Uh, Some of my favorite places to go, I've always enjoyed Wisconsin. I have a great time there. Uh, The football's not always been very good for the Hawkeye side of things, but (laughs) it's brethren that kind of think the same way. You can have some beers beforehand, have a good time. There's going to be a whole fans wherever you go. By far, I, the worst that I've run into. I told you the story about Illinois uh, last week. And going in there, they got a barn on their campus. They're telling us to go back to the farm. And Minnesota fans, I, I just love needling them. I grew up, like I told you, in North Iowa. I got a lot of family that went to Minnesota. So I have a lot of connection there. And, you know, we've dominated the series for so long. It's been fun to go back and forth with them. Nebraska mm-hmm. fans, they're kind of weirdos. The stadium is odd. Just in comparison, you know, you got that area where people can just walk around down there. It's just yeah. so different than any other stadium. That's really, really goofy, but I, I've really enjoyed the experience there. Michigan State, oh boy, that that fan base, they are fired up, man. They are they're a different kind of group, certainly, uh, with the with uh Sparty. Uh and Penn State, I was there for when Adrian Claiborne blocked the punt. That was an incredible moment on the night game, tailgating all day long, just raining on the whole day. It was just an awesome, awesome environment there. That was now, what, 11 years ago, boy, getting old. But so many great (laughs) moments, so many great times. In fact, that'll be a good off-season topic. We'll we'll go a little bit deeper into stadiums. For sure, for sure, yeah. And I even forgot to mention Wisconsin. Wisconsin was weird, though, because, like, their student section is, like, empty. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The entire game until like the fourth quarter, and yeah. if like the game's close, like they'll be up and it's like rocking then. Yeah. Um, that that seems a little bit, a little bit odd, but I haven't got there. Yeah, that's also another thing about it, too, right? It's in the locker room was pretty small, too. Um, yeah. now I could go, I could go all day about other teams' locker rooms as well. <laughs> That'll be a good one. We'll we'll hit that one. We'll hit we'll hit that one. In fact, we might do that next week. Uh, getting ready for the Buckeye game. We'll talk about that. It'll be a fun uh, topic with the bye week upon us. But uh, Lashawn, one more thing. We're gonna take our final break, and when we come back on the other side, I want to talk to you a little bit about schematically what Iowa can do this week in preparation for the Buckeyes. It's gonna be a tall hill. Like you're not gonna be able to beat this team 17-12, right? You're gonna have to score to win this game what Iowa can do to give them some kind of hope, some kind of opportunity to pull off the win against the Buckeyes. That's as we continue here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. All right, LaShawn, our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Hawkeyes game or throughout history of all of the modern. This week's thrilling moment for the Hawkeyes is, well, this is tough, LaShawn, because we're in a whole lot of thrilling moments, and, and not to be flippant, but... I, I kind of thought maybe when Riley Moss returned the what we thought was a fumble recovery for a touchdown, that was probably the most thrilling moment of the game, something that didn't actually happen. No. <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been pretty, pretty, pretty cool. I mean, like I was pretty excited when I like first saw it and then they showed the replay and uh-huh. I'm like, ah, 
he's definitely down uh, right so absolutely um, there, there there's no coming back there's no hope that oh maybe they no there was none of that it was just that <laughs> deflating moment where uh, his elbow's down this one's over that's where we are right now our thrilling moments here on the on the lockdown hawkeyes podcast are are things that didn't actually happen that's what happens when your offense struggles hey another one for real though Quinn Schulte making that interception. Unfortunately, he was at the one-yard line and had us backed up, but just an incredible play. He has played at such a high level. We'll give it to Quinn on one that actually stood up as he got the interception at the one-yard line. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in an all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. As we finish up here, LaShawn, I want to talk to you about what Iowa can do. Game planning here, extra week to prepare. You can throw some more wrinkles in there. Obviously, hope for more development out of the offensive line and everything we've talked about. But schematically, what are you doing here? Ohio State, they are an elite-level offense. That defense, though, even with Jim Knowles, has shown at least a few cracks this season. They're better than they were a year ago, certainly, but this is not an elite level defense. So what are you doing? What are you coming up with game plan wise for the Hawkeyes to be able to get a couple of drives, to get a big hitter, whatever it may be. What do you think would still work with the way this offense is currently constructed? Yeah. That's a very, very good question. I mean, it's a very, very good question. And honestly, like I really don't think it matters kind of what we scheme up and come up with. If, um, if our offensive, we can't, block and protect like it like it's really not gonna matter right what we come up with um you know schematically um because like if we can't you know create any type of push up front in a run game and we can't pass protect like it's not gonna matter right we could have you know andy reed back there calling plays and it wouldn't matter for us right like uh so that's what that's where everything's really gonna have to start right and um again these guys the, the line i mean they're they're getting more experience, but it feels like, you know, they're not really taking the leap that we're, we were kind of expecting from them, right? So hopefully that this week that they have, you know, they cannot finally actually take a breather, look back, back at all the tape from, you know, really over the past six weeks and really kind of figure out, okay, these are where we have to improve. These are things that we have to get better better at. Um, but once we kind of hopefully figure that out and, you know, we get the linemen at least in a spot where, you know, we can protect and we can, you know, create a little bit of movement. Then I think it's going to be, honestly, we're going to have to, we're going to have to open up the playbook a little bit. Right? We're going to have to um, push the ball a little bit downfield, um, you know, to, to sustain drives. We're going to have to do it early, early um, in a drive, right? Like we're going to have to do it on first and 10, right? We're not just going to be able to, you know, run the ball, run, and then try to pass on third down, right? That's, yeah. it's not going to work, right? And then, we can't just pass it on first down condition and then try to run the ball on second down, right? And then still be stuck in the third and long, right? Like it's not going to be, it's not going to work, right? We're going to have to push the ball and create some explosive plays. I mean, Notre Dame was able to keep the game somewhat close against Ohio State, right? And big part of that was they created some explosive plays. Um, I think they created several within the past game. I want to say they had like five plays of over 20 yards in the passing game, right? And that's going to be, be big for the Hawks to be able to, to be able to, to do that, right? Because if it gets to the point where, you know, we're just stuck in um, third and medium, third to long situations, I mean, obviously their front is just going to 
the talent that they have up front is obviously just going to try to tee off on our offensive line, and it's going to be in a very, very tough situation um, there. And then, obviously, like defense, uh, I mean, they, they've been playing well, right? But there are times where, where you know, again, uh, guys have made plays on them, um, both in the run game and in the pass game. Um, so I think the biggest thing for them is, again, it's going to be trying to um, limit those explosive plays as much as possible, right? Those plays that go for 20-plus, because obviously we know how State they can create them basically in an instant at any point in time. So limiting those as much as possible um, is going to be huge for the defense. But, yeah, offensively, I mean, if we can't create any explosive plays in the pass game um, with some kind of success, right, and get get – uh, the Ohio State defense on their heels early on, right? We're going to find ourselves behind very, very early, and that's going to be a whole other issue um, at that point. So, yeah, it's going to it's going to be again. Brian, Coach Brian's going to have to come up with some some stuff that's going to um, you know possibly stretch defense a little bit um, early on because obviously we haven't been able to run the football very, very much, right? Obviously, um, Caleb and LeSean have both had success running the football at times, right, when they've been able to create, um, you know, when they get a little bit of space. But we obviously know that that's not going to be there all day. And if we're going to keep the game close and competitive, you know, into the fourth quarter to give ourselves a chance to win, we're going to have to be able to pass the football and, um, you know, really push that ball downfield. So hopefully this week we can get a bunch of our guys back and, um, you know, healthy to a point where – and get, you know, guys that haven't played as much, you know, up to speed. So when we get out there, you know um, – that Saturday that we'll be able to create those plays and, um, you know, put out a good showing. Well, the good news is I want to buy week this week. It is an incredible weekend of college football. So we don't have to worry about watching that Hawkeye offense for a week. They can figure <laughs> some things out, but this week we got Penn state at Michigan. How great that game is going to be. Of course, Alabama goes to Tennessee. Uh, that the game day is going to be there. Oklahoma state against TCU in the big 12. I think that game is going to be really good. USC, Utah. I mean, there's a lot of good football this weekend and, we don't have to watch the Iowa offense at least for another <laughs> week. Hey, LaShawn, enjoy the bye week. We will talk to you again next week. And when we do, we'll, of course, preview. Go a little deeper into the matchup against the Buckeyes, but also with it. We'll go back and we will go back to your playing career and, and take a look at the Big Ten stadiums and what you had to deal with in those locker rooms because I can only imagine some of the stories in some of those buildings. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to you again next week, LaShawn. Sounds good. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.